All right. Hello, welcome to Uga Booga, the podcast where I try to read as many books as I can for a year. My name is Will. Join me in my journey from caveman to someone with just a little bit more insight. Let's get it. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of Uka Puka. I'm William, as always, and I have today the first very, very special guest. We're trying not to freak out because we've been nerding out uh, about this for a minute. So my, my very, very good friend, Ali, here. Uh, maybe she can introduce herself. Ali. Hi, everyone. Thank you for that wonderful intro. I'm trying so hard to contain the excitement. I'm trying not to laugh over what you're saying, but it's just too <laughs> no. much. No. <laughs> oh, dude. I I feel like I'm trying to hold back the screams. Me too. I, we're, we're having a biggest nerd moment. Uh, we tried to plan this episode, but... <laughs> we, we might just like wing it just to see <laughs> yeah just bouncing off of each other so i'm ali i'm from montreal I'm, yeah, uh, basically done law school i think it'd be nice to share with everyone how we met because i think it's a pretty special story. okay yeah yeah that'd be that'd be that'd be a pretty cute story yeah, so basically summer of 2017, we met in Hungary where we taught English at a summer camp. And to yes, this sir. day that yeah, to this day that remains the best summer of my life. <laughs> that was that was an exceptional summer. It really was. It was crazy. It really was. Oh, okay, okay. So our today's book, today's book is gonna be our first fiction book, our first fiction book of of the podcast, actually. So it's gonna be Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could start by uh, providing a brief overview of the contents of the book. Let's start with the author. Well, Kazuo Ishiguro is a British author with a Japanese ancestry, if I'm not mistaken. And he won the Nobel Prize in 2017 for literature. So this book, Never Let Me Go, I think got published around 2005. Did you watch his noble <laughs> like, I did not. His did acceptance speech? I did. He's no really way. good at speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect that from like an author being good at I mean, words. yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, fair. He did win the, <laughs> he did win the award, so. That's good. I mean, I think, I think it shows just from the style of writing, but I guess like we're going to get into that maybe a bit later. Um, but just as a, an overview of the book. So this book is fundamentally, I think, about friendships and love <laughs> and the human condition and mortality, which are like very big themes to tackle. True, true. The, the book is super broad. Yeah, but it basically follows the lives of one main student with like two of her friends. So her name is Kathy. She goes to this like academy called Hailsham. It's a boarding school somewhere in England. And... From the beginning, we kind of get a sense that there's something different about their universe. So they talk about donors, they talk about cares, but we don't really know what's going on. And it's sort of like her story within like this academy and then later on in life with two of her closest friends, Tommy and Ruth. And throughout the story, we kind of get the sense that, well, these, these kids, these students are different because they're not meant to go out into the world and explore the world and become actors, dentists, lawyers, or whatever else. 
their sole purpose in life is to donate their organs to people who might need them. So that's yeah, is that a spoiler? I don't think it is, right? I don't think it is. I mean, I, I watch Jack Edwards' videos on YouTube religiously. I don't know if you know the YouTuber, but he basically oh. ratted it out. He said it's about like organ organ donations. If Jack Edwards said it and he doesn't usually spoil Okay, okay. I, I trust I trust him more yeah. than us. Yeah, me too. So I'm just gonna go out there and say like it's it's about um organ donating. Yeah, so that's sort of like the the very like high level overview of what the book is about. I guess what are your thoughts on it? Like what are some general general comments you have? I wanna hear it. Yeah, but I think about the book, uh, I think we did mention it earlier that the book is super broad. So it covers a lot of topics about basically about life, about growing up. And I think it's it's like a book that I, I, I've seen like plenty of really mixed reviews about it. So you'll have people on Goodreads that, that are like, oh my God, this book was amazing. And what a depiction of life and all of that. But you also have like people that they're just like, yeah, this book was boring as hell <laughs> they were like uh, the book didn't uh, really captivate me so I, i'll probably fall somewhere in between i don't know about you i feel like it's it's a book that you won't really appreciate if you if you take it at face value i like your take on it i think it's interesting and i think it also depends on what kind of books you gravitate towards i know that i like fiction and i know that i like more of a slow burning kind of book so for me this was ideal like another book that i recommend that is sort of similar in style is I always mix it up. Leonard hungry, and hungry hungry Paul. <laughs> no, not quite. Leonard and Hungry Paul. And I think Oh yeah, you recommended that to me. I did, I did. I think that there's a lot of richness and a lot of value that's added from the fact that this is mundane. I think oftentimes like we want books to be big and loud and surprising. I, f- I mean I finished the book and it, it instantly I was like, well that's it? <laughs> Yeah, and then and then I started like getting into it with Ali, and I started like, breaking down the book a little, and I was like, "Oh, dang! It's not just about like the flashy, crazy, like oh my god, twists in, in stories." But Kazuo Ishiguro did a good job. I mean, from my very amateur <laughs> perspective of making a really down to earth story interesting. Yeah, and there's something to be said about the way that he captivates his audience. And I don't know if I can have an example here, but I like the way that he ends almost each sentence or like each beginning of paragraph. It's like, so this book follows, like we said, like Kathy's life story a bit, but it's not very linear. So it goes back and forth. And Ishiguro does this thing where through Kathy, he kind of like communicates like hints at, at an event that is sort of like out of the blue. And then her last sentence in a paragraph is going to be like, oh, but let's talk about that later. Or like, oh, wait, I need to tell you. About oh, right. That's this. true. She does always do that. And it's She's like, like, um, yeah, but we'll get into it later. Exactly. And then <laughs> kind of on the edge of your seat, like it's something so mundane, but kind of in a gossipy way, you're like, well, wait, I want to know what happens with Tommy. I want to know what happens with the character. <laughs> so that's like, true. Really- that's true. Yeah, I found that a very nice technique to kind of like pull you in and be excited for, for what's next. And I think that related to like the mundaneness, I think the themes that he tried to express come out so well through the mundane. It's themes like friendships, it's themes like group mentality, it's things like 
mortality in itself. And I think those are harder to communicate with like nuance in a context where like you have these big extravagant things happening in a book. Exactly. I also want to get, like you mentioned some techniques that Ishiguro uses to put the book together. And I think one thing that I really, really liked about how he wrote the book was he always feeds you like the tiniest bit of information through the dialogue. And I thought that was super cool that he he kind of never explains it, but you, you get it. You get to infer just like, like Kathy and her friends. And that, that also feeds into like how you want to keep reading. You, you want to keep reading because like, okay, oh, I want to, I want to know more about it. It feels like gossip, right? It feels like, ooh, I want to, I want to know more about that. So yeah. Great. And I kind of like, it's something I found really interesting about this book and about like Kathy's experience. I think this was like one of the more vivid points in this book was where Miss Lucy was a guardian. So who essentially like supervises the kids basically explodes and tells them the reality for like what it is. And it's the first time that they're really in a situation where an adult lays out the truth. That was, that was probably one of the only moments you get a, you get a full ish, not really even full explanation, but it, it made sense in the context. Exactly. And Miss Lucy just explodes and tells them you will never be able to do that because like, that's not your purpose in life. That's not what you're meant to do. You're meant to donate all of your organs. And everybody, I remember Kathy making a remark saying, well, we all kind of knew it. I don't understand why she was so upset by the fact that nobody was straightforward with us because we kind of always knew it. But it's true that it was like the first time that somebody just blurted it out. And I mm. feel like- And I think, I think as a reader, you already also know you're like, exactly. yeah, I have a feeling, but I'm not super sure. And then Miss Lucy is like, oh, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Like the format of the book kind of mirrors Kathy's own experience, the whole secrecy and mystery, but still kind of having a sense of what is going on. I don't know. I found that really interesting. How like her experience was also like our experience as a reader looking into her experience. True, true, true. So I think I think we're done with like the the non-spoilery review, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay okay so getting into the rating what do you what do you think should we have one rating <laughs> like the, an average between the two of us or what do you, uh, what do you what did you have in mind what did you have in mind i thought we would just have like one rating <laughs> okay okay no we'll go at the same time okay three two one go seven four point five wait out of five oh <laughs> <laughs> we're stupid <laughs> Okay, no, wait, wait, wait. So, 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 I guess translated, that's um, a, nine uh, a nine, a nine for you and a seven for yes. me. So yes. we're, we're averaging this book at an eight. That's a fair assessment, I think. Okay. Okay. Eight, eight out of 10. So, all right. Okay, well, I think it's time for us to get into the spoilers. So for anyone listening, if you haven't read the book, go get your copies and read it and then come back to this part of the podcast. Okay, so yeah, essentially, I think I think me and Ali made the same parallel. Finishing the book, it's, it's The Island. <laughs> so that movie yes. from 2005, I think me and Ali had, had the same idea. Uh, like pretty early in the book. So if you haven't seen the island, if it, it, it follows basically the same premise. Maybe one distinction between the island and Never Let Me Go, which I think is a pretty central one, and that I've only really realized after taking a step back from the book, is that in the island, the characters, like the clones, actually escape. 
So they realize that something is wrong. They realize that the island isn't this promised heaven of sorts. They realize that the island, spoiler alert for the, for the movie, is actually their, the people who, were, who they've been cloned from who want their organs. So the island is sort of like a way to make that transition for them feel good. Whereas it never let me go. And I think a lot of people, to like your point earlier, Will, a lot of people didn't appreciate this book because they felt like the characters are very passive. They felt like they didn't really make any attempt to escape the reality that they were in. They kind of just accepted it for what it was. And I recently went on YouTube and saw the author speak about the book. And he said, well, that was basically the main point. It's you kind of, you have, you kind of accept your life for what it is. It's sort of like a comment on fate versus like free will and that whole debate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love that. I love that you went to uh, you went you went into the the YouTube comments and you, yes. you that's that's awesome. Oh, a uh, cool point is that the movie and the book come out in the same year. I didn't even realize the island and never let me go. The island and never let me go. They yes. come out in two thousand five. So I, that's I told you kind of interesting. We we had this we had this talk. I remember us being like, oh, don't know which one came first. Was it the book or the movie? Because they oh. both at the same time, and they both presumably like took a couple of years to, to create. I guess, I guess. So, and yeah. also speaking of Hailsham, I mean, there's a lot of like ethical <laughs> questions that quite we have to like <laughs> quite a few. Like that was always the kind of a uh, thought in the back of my mind. Like, what are the logistics of yeah. building this kind of clone-based organ donation healthcare system? Like. Yeah. Where do we get the funds for this? Do, is this part of tax? Is this like run by a private company? Uh, we'll never know, know, I guess. But that you've become an adult, like you're thinking uh, about taxes and like that's probably. <laughs> we were like system thinking it. We were like, oh, yeah. what are the ramifications on this on like a like a a global policy level? Yeah. Oh, that is true. No, that's a good point. That's a good point because. You know, they often refer to other schools and everybody seems to glorify a Hailsham because... Yeah, right? It's like the, the Ritz-Carlton of clone facilities, apparently. Exactly. It's like private school level, like board, everything. Yeah, and, and Miss Emily also mentions like at the end of the book, she's like, you had a, you were really lucky that we were even fighting for you, essentially. It's a powerful statement. I think it's, it's so... I don't know, we think of our freedoms and we think of our rights as something that is so ingrained and something that's so oh yeah, like why wouldn't it be? But I don't know. Okay. Now maybe maybe we can try to try to talk about uh our, our main characters and their relationships to each other. Mm. So maybe Kathy. Yeah, you wanna you wanna start with this one? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Kathy. Okay. I guess how to describe Kathy. Kathy is sort of the person who is on the outside of it. I think she's sort of on the periphery of a lot of life at Hailsham. So her best friend is Ruth, who kind of acts as a foil to her. I remember Ruth at some point making like a very ruthless... Got him. <laughs> making a comment to the effect that, oh, well, 
they were they were they were reunited it was like the hardships of like being a donor and Ruth made a comment being like oh well you don't know what this is all about you're you're still a carer like you still kind of chose the easy way out so Kathy has always kind of been I think at the periphery like still very much that's true looking at it from like yeah a, a more distance perspective I, I think Ruth has always been uh, a little bit ahead of Kathy in some regards. And that's essentially their relationship, right? Where Kathy is, like you say, she's on the periphery of, of the next thing. And Ruth is already there. And she essentially throughout the book, she's like, mm, you wouldn't get it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I think Kathy, I see Kathy as like a very passive character. And I think that's why also I said why I see Ruth as sort of a foil for Kathy. And so Ruth is always this like character who's like looking ahead. And Kathy on the other end, she's the complete opposite. Like she really holds on to these things. Like she brings her collections with her to the cottages, even though it's uncool to do that. She's the one who keeps like reminiscing about her time at Hailsham. So I love that you 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 put Ruth in such a good light. This I hate <laughs> I hate her. I I really hate how I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Like, oh, she's trying to like change and she's trying to leave the old life behind. But yeah. in the book, oh my god, the just the <laughs> way she does this is that. so annoying. I can understand why and I remember us having conversations before this podcast of on this topic. I think Ruth reminded me the most of my childhood bullies, but I don't know, I can kind of, I in the context of the character, I like what she does in bringing certain elements of like group mentality forward. So I kind of like her role and I think she has a very redeeming character arc. I think in the end, she sort of like, she even makes a comment. So basically what happened was that she ended up dating Tommy during their time at Hailsham, even though Tommy and Kathy like had some affinities, like they're, they were kind of meant to be together. Oh, I was and, rooting for it from the start. Yeah, yeah. And then spoiler alert, like towards the end, basically after the cottages, they each go their own ways. So the, the couple splits up and Kathy reconnects with Ruth. And then together they reconnect with Tommy and Ruth makes the comment saying like, oh, you know, I, I was never supposed to be a part of this. Like, I, I'm sorry for like interfering with what was, what was meant to be between the two of you. Dang. And not only that, but before she completed, which is like a euphemism for died. So at, during the cottages, there was a rumor that started circulating that if you were truly in love with somebody else, you could get a deferral. And a deferral would basically mean a couple of years of freedom before you become an organ donor, where you can just spend time with this person. And we never know if like the rumor is true or not until the very end. But Ruth makes a very conscious effort to seek out Madame's address, Madame being like the principal and like presumably the person who would be in charge of the defer. The, 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 oh my God. Okay, <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to hold it. I'm trying to. <laughs> I don't think we're bad, are we? Am I rambling? You tell me if I'm rambling too much. No, 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 no. I was just like, I was yeah? just like watching. I was like, wow, we're recording a podcast. <laughs> It's so, this is great. I'm having so I got, I got lost in the sauce. Oh. I was like, oh, wow. What are I we doing? It. Okay, anyway, sorry. We're learning how to talk books. No, it's great. I know. I love that. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but yeah, anyway, so like Ruth deferral program. So she seeks out, like she purposely like goes out of her way to get Madam's address. And then instead of keeping it for herself, basically hands it off to Tommy and Kathy and telling them, you were meant to be together. So 
so that is a redeeming arc if i've ever seen one yeah. at the end of like she's about to complete right i i think at this point in the story she's like uh she's frail and she's weak as hell yeah. so she's like oh my god what am i doing and also to that point we're also talking about a couple of 20 year olds here so when we say complete it's not like they spend decades being carers and then have like really spaced out donations at least from my understanding like this happens like really pretty fast that's true maybe you know maybe my my hatred of ruth is more a projection of myself oh, oh. so psychology in there maybe maybe that's how i feel about her Oh, right. Interesting get the <laughs> the projection. Oh, you get the psychology out here. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think. Oh, oh. Yeah. oh wait. Go go. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 So, um, I think we can we can transition at this point to kind of the at the end of the book where uh I find out that essentially Miss Emily and Madame uh, are essentially activists that are kind of fighting for their rights as as clones as organ donors and i don't know i want to get your thoughts on this ending because to me it was like weirdly anticlimactic to me i think i saw it maybe a bit more differently to me i saw it as a defiance from the trope that you would always find in movies and books which is that love conquers all and I think in this particular situation, like, that's not it. Like, there's this rumor that, oh, if you love someone, then you're actually going to be able to escape your fate. But that's not true. What can I ask? Like, what made it disappointing to you? What about the end uh, of the big reveal? Was it, like, the fact that he kind of already knew all of this? Was it the fact that everything that they had gone to just felt very useless and very shallow? Or something? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, it's not, like, more of disappointment in the sense that you know you you as a reader or at least me i was hoping like oh my god i'm hoping that kathy and tommy you know they get this big reveal and it, they figured out the puzzle and you know they're they've gone they they've they've broken the system or whatever but yeah miss emily's like doesn't work that way sorry and yeah in kind of reading that you feel like so all of this was for nothing like kind of you know like everything we've been through to try for this deferral and all of the heartbreak and all of the love that we've we've put into the art and everything yeah. it just wasn't part of this bigger kind of story that i thought it was going to be it's what life is and i think that's i think yeah this book has been called uh, qualified as like a dystopia like science fiction dystopia and i think that's that's where it comes from maybe like the fact that this is i, I read like a, a comment that i found really interesting on dystopias which was why are people surprised when they read dystopias about like how close it is to their reality because like when we think of dystopias i think we think of something very exaggerated but there's this conceptual distance between like the world in a dystopia in our world now i think this is like a kind of unique dystopia dystopian story where yeah you're right like we usually have those kind of like dystopian stories where you're like oh my god i can see the parallels of how this could happen how we could behave mm -hmm. in like this post-apocalyptic world or whatever yeah. happened but there's usually that kind of distinction that, that that would never happen though right yeah. like 
So it, it feels kind of distant, but the behaviors of the the characters are like, oh yeah, yeah, I could relate to that yeah. if I was there. <laughs> but yeah. in this story, it's like the jump, the leap is a little bit smaller. Where mm-hmm. if we kind of imp- start implementing like cloning technology, which to some degree we uh, the the technology does kind of exist already. So it's not that big of a leap to say that this could be like tomorrow. Uh, I mean, maybe not tomorrow, but it could start tomorrow. And yeah, I, I think that's a really cool kind of take on on how this is a dystopian world, but it's a bit closer to home than than most, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And in that video that I talked to you about when the author explains the purpose of the story, he he even said that this whole aspect, this whole dimension of donations and clones, that was the last element of the book. So a lot of the the emotions, like the characters, like the group dynamics, all of that had come to him first. And that was sort of like the device in which the story could take form. And I think that's oh. maybe why it's closer to home. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. Like, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, so it makes sense. I think like you're spot on with your analysis. Ooh, so he was essentially like, okay, let's make the story about how they all fit together. And then, ooh, actually they're organ donors. Yeah, yeah. That is the, the context in which the story is going to unfold. So the book is named after this song that Kathy listens to called Never Let Me Go. And there's this really powerful moment where Madame, the kind of principal-like mysterious figure from their past at Hailsham, sees Kathy dancing to the song. And Kathy sees her crying. It's it's not until later in the book that we really understand, along with Kathy, why uh, Madame had been so distraught that day. And I think Ali has the quote. When I watched you dancing that day, I saw something else. I saw a new world coming rapidly. More scientific, efficient, yes. More curious for the old sicknesses. Very good. But a harsh, cruel world. And I saw a little girl, her eyes tightly closed, holding to her breast to the old kind of world. One that she knew in her heart could not remain. And she was holding it and pleading never to let her go. This is what I saw. It wasn't really you, what you were doing. I know that. But I saw you and it broke my heart. And I've never forgotten Damn, I, f- I feel like that was like a really powerful moment. Oh, not feel like it was obviously a very yeah. powerful moment where you you see kind of uh, the the disconnect between them in that moment, right? That's that's rough. We can talk about we can talk about it like more openly moment. now, maybe to kind of hash it out. I don't know. Because I think okay, wait. what I find interesting about the song is how like they each projected different things on it. You know what <laughs> you know what it it's kind of like an interesting parallel into something like like climate change <laughs> where yeah, I was thinking you have that. you have Kathy's perspective of what am I gonna do 
and you have Madame's perspective of kind of like, what have we done? Oh, I really like that. That's true. That's sheesh. I like likened it as well. I think climate change is a good comparison. For me, it was also capitalism in general. I think there's a lot of kind of nods to it. Um, The sense that like artwork is commodified, like something that's supposed to like symbolize like your soul, because that was the entire purpose of creating art to show the world that clones have souls and are humans. I want to circle back to Madame and Never Let Me Go, which doesn't actually exist. I didn't know that. <laughs> actually, when I when I saw it, I instantly Googled it. I was like, it's, it has to exist. Spotify. It's like, oh, yeah. it's not real. damn it. <laughs> but the movie version is really good. I genuinely believed that Judy Bridgewater was a real artist. <laughs> Let's talk about Norfolk. The corner of lost things. I wish that existed. That'd be dope. You you drop a pen, rolls under table, it appears in Norfolk. In Norfolk. That's go get a plane that would be dope. Get, get a plane to get your pen back. Why do you think um do you think it meant anything that, that Kathy lost the the cassette that contained Never Let Me Go? Oh, that was such a cute moment and then they found it in Norfolk. Um, I don't know if it's sort of like a repository of hope for them, you know, it's, they're used to kind of having everything maybe make sense and fit together within their own world. So maybe this is just like, kind of like how we create stories, how we create stories for ourselves, maybe like a controversial take, but also with like religion, you know, how like we're finding meaning. I see what you mean. Life after. But like, so, I, I have to put my hope into something I don't know is real. Exactly. Exactly. Just to kind of get me through what I need to get through. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the book. And uh, maybe we can sum up our final thoughts. What do you think, Ali? So what what do you, what are your final thoughts on the book? Final thoughts. That's a big task you're asking. (laughs) To summarize this entire book, but. That's why I threw it to you. Yeah, yeah. No, smooth. (laughs) I think fundamentally, it's just a beautiful story on love on friendship on what it means to be like a human what it means to be alive what it means to be in a civilization where like we value communities as well and i think i think it's just it's a beautiful read and i think i would really recommend it if if you're looking for something to read it's a good book and somebody said a comment that really resonated with me which was like well if you're sad about the ending and if you're sad about these characters fates you really shouldn't be because if you are then you're really just sad about existing and living and dying which i thought was like a nice kind of way to think about this book and a nice way to reflect it to reflect on our lives which is well, we all face the same finality. Our lives may be to some extent predetermined, but at the end of the day, there is like a bit of wiggle room as well. And if anything, like this should take a bit of the existential anxiety away, knowing that whatever happens, like this is the course your life is meant to go. Oh, I love it. I mean, should I still add mine? <laughs> yes, oh my goodness. You had a good take. <laughs> okay. Uh... <laughs> concluding thoughts what are your parting thoughts on this book i mean i think you said it all really well and this really is a a really great book and a beautiful book and it's 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 really about our relationships to other people about our relationships to life itself and it's 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 not a flashy book so if 
if you were like me and you were looking for something that was like, you know, uh, kind of there's a big twist or something, this might not be the book you're looking for, but it is like a really good peek into our, our own lives and how we deal with the cards that were dealt. And I'd suggest it to anybody who wants to kind of take a take a sneak peek about how their existence on this world kind of plays into the bigger role of things. But yeah, uh, I'm super, I'm super happy that that Ali was able to come on this episode with me. Thank um, you for inviting me. I had the time of my life, so I, I, I know I, I it was so cool. I we we had if if you guys see our chat or like our our text before this, we were so excited about just. <laughs> kind of nerding out about this book and it was really cool and a cool experience and i hope we can do it again yes me too i am ready give me a date give me a book and i'll be ready more prepared because this was a suggestion that followed the reading of the book so if you're one of the the five people listening today <laughs> maybe less <laughs> Thank you for listening. This is uh, another episode of Uga Booga with my very special guest, Ali. And do you want to do you want to handle the outro? Thank you so much, Will, for having me on this podcast. I've had a blast. And thank you to all of you who are listening to this podcast. Make sure that you check out all the previous episodes and all the future episodes because Will is great and has the most Oh, please. <laughs> so... <laughs> Thank that, you. That is the message that I want to transmit to everyone. Thank you again. So yeah, another great thanks to Ali for coming on today's episode. If you want to read along with our next book, our next book is going to be The Midnight Library by Matt Haig.